It all started when a question about finances I had went a little wild. Over the past five years, I've been falling down a financial rabbit hole that has given me some unexpected experiences. Whether it be trying to figure out what makes billion dollar companies tick, or unknowingly shaking hands with the Vice President of Indonesia. The world of finance is wide, broad, and even scary at times. Although there is a lot to know, hopefully we can learn together. The date of this recording is October 11, 2020, and in this episode, I will share the beginnings of globalization, the ideas surrounding protectionism, the major pros and cons of globalization, and how avocados get caught up in this whole debate. Hey, welcome to the Workday Cafe, broadcasting through Trent Radio 92.7 FM in Peterborough, Canada, or afterwards on the podcast platform of your choice. My name's Daniel, and I aim at sharing my experiences and what I've learned along the way every week to help you feel more comfortable about the economy and your money. Throughout the show, I will present stories, supporting information, and occasionally my opinion. If you are considering using any of the topics discussed on the show in your own life, I implore you to research and investigate or seek out a financial specialist or trusted financial institution. You can find the show afterwards on theworkdaycafepodcast.com or look up Workday Cafe on the podcast listening platform of your choice. Now let's get into the show. Specifically during these uncertain times, being tucked away in quarantine can make life seem isolated, and the world can feel distant at best. The truth of the matter is that you only have to look as far as the tag on your shirt to instantly see a connection to thousands of people working to help bring every part of the world together. Made in China, Vietnam, the United States, Canada, whether you're at the tallest point on the earth or in the middle of the ocean, you will feel the effects of globalization. Although some of those effects are good and some are bad, I truly didn't understand them until I spent two and a half days in airports around the world. I had just finished my internship in Indonesia and although the trip was long, the trip back was going to be a marathon. Months before even leaving for the trip, I found the best deal to travel from Ottawa to Indonesia. Now when I say the best deal, I mean the cheapest, bottom of the barrel, hanging with the riffraff type of deal. To put it into perspective, the normal cost of the flights were $7,000, and I ended up paying just under $2,000. The travel to Indonesia turned out to be one and a half days, and because of all the excitement of actually getting to my destination, I really didn't feel the time and the flights felt extremely easy. So, there I was at the Indonesian airport, exhausted from my last two-month internship, ready to head home. Globalization, on the other hand, can get things shipped much quicker than two and a half days. Globalization refers to the growing interdependence of the world's economies, cultures, and populations 
brought about by cross-border trade in goods and services, technology, and flows of investment, people, and information. That def definition may be daunting, but it really just means that as opposed to individual countries and cities looking out for themselves, globalization treats the world as one big engine that is working to its most optimal abilities. Globalization has always been a growing way of life for humans. People have gone and settled in different places and exchanged goods, which was constantly being improved by innovative technology and transportation. The growth of this interdependence idea really exploded in the 19th century when European colonization and increased trade activity was really launched by the Industrial Revolution. This revolution brought with it railroads, steamships, the telegraph, and many other technical progresses that allowed for not just the ability to trade within a country, the ability to trade with foreign nations. As a result, many countries increased their relations with neighboring nations to be able to start providing their citizens with new and more of a variety of products slightly raising the standards of life for the, na the nation's citizens. These good country-to-country -country relationships and the globalization trend with it crashed following the start of World War I. This wartime era brought along with it country protectionism. Protectionism is an economic policy that aims at restricting imports from other countries to help domestic industries. This protectionistic period in time lasted throughout World War I, the Great Depression, and World War II. And the ideology behind globalization was really only revived around 1940. At this time, the United States led an effort to restart the engine of country relations and international trade. And although there are downturns every once in a while, uh, this same movement is what propels current day interdependence and, in turn, globalization. After saying goodbye to the hosts of my trip, I got through customs and boarded my flight to begin the two and a half day trip. The first plane ride of the journey was a little rickety. The airport required you to walk onto the runway in order to get onto the plane, and everything about it seemed a little rushed. Fortunately, the plane stayed together and the first flight was successful, landing me in Singapore in only a couple of hours. The airport in Singapore was impressive with an entire mall and whole suspended railway or monorail that connected the huge buildings. I was even lucky enough to go on a short tour of the city and got to see some of Singapore's beauty. After five hours of being awed by the city, I got on to the, my next flight um, and had a layover in Hong Kong, which at the time was the most consistent protest location. One of the main goals of the United States' renewal of globalization was to use it as a tool for peace and prosperity. The idea was to build a global economic order that was run under accepted rules that were overseen by multilateral institutions. Some of those institutions still exist today, and you might recognize them, like the World Trade Organization, the World Bank, the United Nations, NATO, and even the International Monetary Fund. The underlying mission was to normalize free trade and uphold the rule of law. The actual effects of globalization differ slightly from this mission. 
The first effect is that there are more goods at lower prices. Through globalization, each country benefits the most when they specialize in what it produces best, using the least amount of resources. This is known as a comparative advantage. So this makes goods and services cheaper to produce and more affordable to lower income families, promoting economic growth. Also, with globalization, businesses can scale up much easier. As a result of the relationships between nations and the cultural blending that then ensues, companies have the option to expand their customer base and get to larger markets. This helps to find the target customer group and make niche businesses successful. Many technology firms have benefited, benefited from this by offering a uniform product around the world, which decreases all of the company's fixed costs of doing business. For example, Apple and Samsung have the same phone uh, in China as in the United States. Another effect is that the goods and services quality, uh, variety and innovation all get better. Global competition drives companies to improve their products, which means that customers should have better products and more choices of products to choose from. And because everything travels more smoothly from country to country, technology, innovation, and ideas get shared, resulting in more uh, global contributions and a more educated world. Consequently, with the sharing of information, the inefficiencies within a market are typically quickly taken away. This may seem like the next step, but in a real-world environment means that hundreds of thousands of people lose their jobs to automation and innovations. These job cuts have specifically hurt low-wage workers that are employed by tech companies, computer, chemical, and even transportation companies. The main advantage of globalization is that it slowly breaks down the gap between the rich and the poor countries. Since 1990, the number living in extreme poverty has dropped by half, though. And the jobs that are being created are more highly skilled and highly paid. After landing in Hong Kong, I was relieved to see that the layover was going to be short, and that the protests were happening outside the airport, and my terminal was on the far side in the international section. After boarding the flight, we took off without incident. This flight was pretty fancy and even though my seat was the furthest back in the plane, right next to the toilets, I had no complaints. During this flight is when I really learned about plane etiquette. Having not gone on too many flights in the past, I knew to stick to myself but some of the other nuances of flying took me a while to see. One of the big ones was to stay organized while flying, so that when the time comes to unbuckle your seatbelt and leave, you can just grab your things and exit. The other aspect of flying that I didn't know about was the talking protocol. You should almost never, under very restricted circumstances, talk to the person next to you before the plane touches down. This flight was extremely long, almost 15 hours, and took me from Hong Kong to San Francisco. 
One recent example of globalization impacting the lives of North Americans is the newly found demand for avocados. Avocados have become a very popular commodity in the world, and almost a third of them are produced in Mexico. As some of the Mexicans call it, green gold, avocados and the farms they grow in are highly sought after. As a result of Mexico's unstable politics, there is little to stop the now avocado gangs from running parts of the country. Somehow, in 2017, Mexico's most violent year in record, the country was able to export 1.7 billion pounds of avocados to the United States. This helped the avocado surpass the banana, becoming America's most valuable fruit import. Up until 1994, the U.S. had banned Mexican avocados in fear of insect infestation and cheaper competition. But after the North American Free Trade Agreement was signed by Canada, the United States, and Mexico, the barriers and restrictions were lifted. Not only were Mexican avocados now free to be traded with the United States, the consumption of avocados was on the rise. In 1994, with only California farmers producing avocados during the summer months, the average American consumed a little more than a pound of the fruit per year. Today, that number jumped to seven pounds per person per year. The avocado distributors had to scramble to keep up with the newfound demand. Even California avocado growers, who were once strongly against Mexican avocado imports, support now the imports because they cannot keep up with the demand. Mexico's key advantage to producing these fruits is its climate that allows avocado growing year-round. Without free trade and globalization, Americans would not have the option to buy avocados as frequently, as frequently, and the prices of the product would be extremely high. This supply chain from Mexico also created about 19,000 jobs in the United States and added more than $2.2 to the gross national product. This is just one example of the power of specialization resulting in lower costs, prices, and more variety for the end consumer. Now, no avocados were served on the plane, but after the 16-hour flight, I arrived in San Francisco for a final layover. The problem was that I got into San Francisco around 7 p.m., and I was leaving that same airport at 7 a.m. I quickly found out that the airport was not open for 24 hours. I found a bench in the back of the airport and sprawled my arms out over my luggage and tried to rest. Not the most comfortable 12 hours of my life, but I made it through. Now, although the information about globalization has been generally positive, there are major drawbacks to this ideology that people feel very strongly about. One of the main arguments is that globalization creates a wealth gap between the rich and the poor. While this isn't true when comparing country to country, it is true when you look inside specific nations. The U.S. is one of those countries whose top percent are wealthier than the vast majority of its citizens. But in poorer countries, this carries over to the environment, which is typically ignored compared to corporate profits. Also, developed countries lose low-skilled jobs to countries that can do the same or similar work for lower costs. There are also loopholes that are created, like 
tax havens for corporations who can decide which country they want to pay taxes for, and some nations that reap the benefits of free trade while not offering anything in return, keeping the profits for themselves again. Some of these disadvantages are not trade-offs and can be fixed through increased communication and international relationship building. The conversation really starts when you do have these trade-offs that pit people on either side of each other. I was half awake, but the two and a half day traveling marathon was almost over. I boarded the final flight from San Francisco to Montreal and then finally took a bus from Montreal to Ottawa, sleeping the entire ride. It was pretty incredible to travel from one side of the planet to the other and see firsthand how infrastructure, governments, and cultures have many differences, but also many similarities. In today's modern world, no matter where you are, you will see or even feel the effects of humanity. Even if there are trade-offs to this interconnectedness, the engine of globalization is astonishing and powerful. Whether it be early-day settlers looking to trade with neighboring towns, to now huge governments and multinational corporations that connect every part of the world together, the end result is impressive. Some nations feel that protectionism is the best way forward, and others believe in free trade. And both these options have advantages and disadvantages that result in major trade-offs that are highly debated. But at the end of the day, with so many different cultures and governments, it is reassuring to know that most people have similarities and a common ground that can push humanity forwards towards a better future. In this last segment, I thought I would take a bit of time to look over Canadian news and give some explanations to what's happening in the economy and in finance. The first news story is uh, something that I talked about in earlier shows that CERB is uh, ending and new programs are coming in to take its spot. Its spot. Specifically, uh, three prongs. The Canadian Recovery Caregiving Benefit, CRCB, the Canadian Recovery Sickness Benefit, the CRSB, and the Canadian Recovery Benefit, the CRB. They're all coming in to take the spot of the, of the CRB. Uh, the first one, the Caregiving Benefit, provides $500 per week. Uh, for up to 26 weeks per household for workers unable to work for at least 50% of the week because they they are caring for a child under the age of 12 or family members because of schools, daycares, or care facilities uh, that are closed due to COVID or because they are sick. Uh, the CRSB, the Canadian Recovery Sickness Benefit, uh, will also provide $500 per week uh, for up to a maximum of two weeks for workers who are unable to work for at least 50% of the week uh, because they've actually contracted the virus and have self-isolated. Self uh, the last one, uh, the Canadian Recovery Benefit, um, as well as the $500 per, per week, just like the others, uh, they go to for 26 weeks and they are for people who have stopped working and who are not eligible for employment insurance or had their employment or self-employment income reduced by at least 
This update will hopefully help people that are currently uh, benefiting from CERB and who still need assistance because of the pandemic. Another popular news segment that I've seen pop up a lot is the rising housing prices in Canada and the popular uh, stock market rise. It's kind of a counterintuitive thing that's happening right now because of the, uh, the general pandemic. Um, people losing their jobs and uh, not being able to pay for general things as well as businesses closing down because of these uh, strict restrictions which um, can really hurt what's going on right now with businesses. So to tackle housing prices, I'll look specifically at what causes the prices to really fluctuate. And initially, uh, it's not the economy as a whole. It's specifically um, interest rates, which I talked about in recent shows as well, uh, that are either lowered or higher or lowered or risen by the, the Bank of Canada in order to help businesses and encourage growth from the economy. So right now, interest rates are very low, which put, put uh, loans at a very advantageous spot. So people that have a bit of money saved up are able to take advantage of these low interest rates and buy houses. Uh, that means that the demand will probably increase and prices will then be more competitive. Um, looking at the stock market now, it's a bit more uh, focused in. So there are uh, a lot of people investing in Canada and the US. Um, almost 50% of people invest in the stock market. But the people who make up the stock market are very few. This goes back to the wealth gap with the high percentage of uh money in the stock market going towards a few amount of people. And those few people are doing well. They're seeing other businesses close, which then gives them an opportunity to buy up the land, property, or even the business itself that's closing. Another aspect of the stock market is that it's representing what people think will happen in the future. So. Right now, people think that the future is going to include businesses opening back up, uh, people getting jobs, and in general, money flowing into the economy again, like it was previous to the, uh, the lockdown. So from an outside perspective, even though the stock market and housing prices look disconnected, and in the long term they will be because the economy is the driving force that will catch up with any of the things that uh, that are impacting the stock market or housing prices. Right now, in the short term, the disconnect is, is real. There are aspects of life that have been disconnected from the, uh, the reality of the pandemic. In this final story, I thought I would take a look at tariffs and trade barriers and try to explain them a little bit better. So tariffs are basically a tax. It adds up the cost borne by customers by imported goods and is one of several trade policies that a country can enact. So tariffs are paid to the uh, customs authority 
of the country imposing the tariff. Uh, on the imports coming into the United States, for example, they are collected by Customs and Border Protection, acting on behalf of the, uh, the Commerce, Commerce Department. So it is important to recognize that the taxes owed on imports are paid by domestic consumers and not imposed directly on the foreign country's exports. But the effect is nonetheless to make foreign products uh, less appealing to consumers than uh, non-exported products, local products, domestic, domestically made products. But often goods from abroad are cheaper because they are uh, they offer cheaper capital or labor, uh, and if these goods become more expensive, then consumers will choose the relatively costlier domestic product. Overall, consumers tend to lose out with tariffs, where the taxes are collected domestically. I would like to thank my server, Alex, Amaria for the music, and you for listening to the Workday Cafe, premiering through the facilities of Trent Radio. If you would like to learn more about other projects I'm doing, or would like to listen to segments of the show again, head over to WorkdayCafePodcast.com, or look up the Workday Cafe on the podcast platform of your choice. I'll see you next Wednesday at 10 a.m. to continue this journey into the world of finances and the economy.